0: Hello and welcome to Off the Charts, a stellar newscast. I'm Whitney Fishburne in Washington with my colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace in New York. And what mischief have you been up to, my friend? What, <laughs> what mischief? <done>? I'm all <laughs> on for days. <laughs> What's that? <up? laughs> Uh, it's, it's like,
1: <laughs> let's not do that. Let, don't ask me that. Okay. Right. Well, okay.
0: Let's let's get this out of the way. Who are we? Well, we are both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news because we not only want to show you how the media and also, let's say, politicians and basically the status quo manipulates you into working against your best interests. We want to help you anticipate the cycles and trends in the world. So you can see that the world is not a random, chaotic, scary place, but it's part of an ensouled universe where cycles within cycles point to there being a greater consciousness, a larger intelligence, more awesome than we tiny, but amazing human beings will ever be even if we don't understand just what these cosmic impulses are and where they come from. And most importantly, we want to encourage you to participate in the unfoldment of what our universe has in store. Basically, we believe we are the media. We, all of us are the media. So that's who we are. And Elizabeth, I'm gonna start off with um, a question from one of our biggest fans and avid listeners. That would be Kaylee. And she's been asking us some great questions in the comments section. And you, Elizabeth, did a great job of answering her last one. And I just did a job of it. <laughs> you gave her a really good an answer. And I had 15 minutes. So I just spilled my guts and I'm only sure if it made any sense. Well, what I what what I
1: said, what I said, Kaylee, is what a fantastic question. And when we get to the point in our development of this podcast when we can actually take live questions yeah. from listeners, that be great. We would be we would be answering that live. But she it her question was so thoughtful and I would encourage everyone listening to this, our podcast, if you have something that you want to say, uh, please go to uh, the insol.substack.com website and share your thoughts. We want to know what you're thinking.
0: And we talk right. about what you ask us.
1: Yeah. And and we're going to talk about it now. So you can see how uh, your fellow listener, one of your fellow listeners is thinking.
0: Here's basically what Kaylee wanted to know. She And you can add, if you think I leave anything important out, but she basically wanted to know when bad guys do bad things, do they know they're the bad guys or do they think that they're being the good guys? And then the rest of us just don't get what they're doing. Right. That's That's pretty much Yeah. All right. So excellent question. And we did each of us, Elizabeth and I answer to the extent that we did, but I did keep thinking about the question. And here from the closet in my guest room is we're live from Whitney's co-closet. Oh,
1: I forgot to say that.
0: Because <laughs> oh, you never know where I'll be with my backpack of stuff in my own house, which feels sometimes like a battlefield because of all the construction, the dog, the traffic, the beeping, and my husband's still not out of bed and snoring. So. Right. Anyway, from the closet where I am sweltering and, you know, this is where you find me philosophizing from the closet. (laughs) I first have to say, you know, whose yardstick of bad and good are we using? I think that's a really important question. You know, like where are we getting our ideas of what is good and what is bad? Because that assumes somebody knows and somebody decided, you know, where's the ultimate of each? Where's bad, where's good, start and end. So then I started thinking about my favorite Christopher Nolan film, it's the only one of his films that actually hangs together, if you ask me. That's Batman Begins. I do like The Dark Knight, which is the second of his Batman trilogy, but Batman Begins essentially deals with this question that Kaylee's asking, and I think it does a really good job of it. You'll appreciate this, Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> it features Liam Neeson as Raz al Ghul, as in Al Ghul. Well, you, well, not only that, I, I actually
1: looked that up. It's Algol, but also um, there's another fixed star called Ras Algue, which is even more of the shadow. I meant to send that to you last night oh. when I read that. So it's, but it is, but it is the shadow. So it's very interesting. It makes me wonder if uh, the writer, yeah. whoever, the screenwriter was doing no. some serious mythological things here when they pick that name, because it is quite a, not a nice star. Algal, from which we get the word alcohol, uh, is one of the most unfortunate, what they call fixed stars in Algal. It's in Taurus, in the constellation of Taurus. And it corresponds to the Medusa and the, the Gorgon's head. And therefore it corresponds to people losing their head. Uh, and, decap- and literally, uh, and perhaps through alcohol, you know, that's interesting that we get that word from there. So that's one fixed star that is, that is evil. But R-A-S-A-L-A-H-A-G-U-E, Ras, Rasal, I don't know how to pronounce it because i haven't the foggiest idea. Oh, here, Ras, Hala looks like it, something like that. And it means the head of the serpent collector. So there's some snake oil, Slytherin energy if you're a harry potter fan that's uh, interesting it is it is gives misfortune through women perverted tastes and mental depravity it is of the nature of saturn and venus but the slovenly very immoral shameless revolting mean sorrows and love kind i don't know that sounds like alcohol to me but it's yes, but it is another star. This is actually in the in the cursed alleged 13th constellation. Uh, oh, it's in, um, it's a fire in the it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where this particular star is. It maybe it's a hybrid of both of them. I don't know, but it was very interesting. And it makes me makes me want to believe that the screenwriter, in choosing a name for this character, did some digging into mythology and maybe maybe okay, even well, the constellations to find a okay. name for this character to
0: express this shadow side so with that very uh, thorough preamble <laughs> on the name of this character uh, what, I, what I was getting at is whether it's Rasal the one that we can't say, or Algol, either way, it is a, um, a perversion of the feminine. It's a perversion of energy that, that delivers us through cycles back to where we start only different, you know, that kind of the poem from Elliot. So um, it's a perversion of the idea that we can move in um, cycles upward towards something um, redeeming and, and beautiful, which, you know, as we talked about last episode, is, is more along the lines of Neptune with Venus in the positive way with Jupiter. But in reg- regards to Kaylee's question, so let me reiterate that what that was. Why do bad guys do bad things? Do they know they're bad things? Or do they think that they're doing good things and the rest of us are just idiots and don't understand? And I'm saying, well, whose idea of bad and good are we using? And then in the movie, you have this character who is named for whichever star we're not sure, but it, it is about the perversion of the feminine and coming from the shadows. So, an, an a not integrated person, in other words, is how I would characterize this one. But a powerful one, and he's he is the head of the League of Shadows. And what is the League of Shadows? Where there's in the movie, it's this weird gang of. Psychedelic using, nunchuck throwing, crazy ass weapon wielding shadow men who believe their job is, as the leader played by Liam Neeson says, is this. I actually wrote this down because this is a really interesting quote <laughs> crime, despair. This is not how man was supposed to live. The League of Shadows has been a check against human. Corruption. I love how men are supposed to live a certain way, but humans, which includes women, are corrupt and suck. The League of Shadows has been a check against human corruption for thousands of years. We sacked Rome. We loaded trade ships with plague rats, burned London to the ground. Every time a civilization reaches the pinnacle of its decadence, which I'm not even sure if that makes any sense, but the pinnacle of its decadence, we return to restore the balance. And first of all, I was thinking like, well, okay, that sounds a lot like a Pluto return. Yeah. (laughs) And second, I thought, okay, that's great, buddy, but you're still human. And if you live in the shadows, that's a problem because we can't see you. We don't know what you're up to and you don't ever have to explain yourself but you have all this power to really fuck shit up. And that's just what, what is that? That's called fascism. (laughs) But here's my problem with it. You're human. You're no better than any other human. And this is what the movie is really exploring is why do humans think that they have the right to decide what's right for other humans? Because then you have to think that that means hierarchically, somebody's there deserving more rights and more power than any other human to make unilateral decisions about other humans. You know, it's one thing to make laws That everyone knows exist and at least in our country for now that's what we do um because then everyone has a hand in if not creating it then you know participating in it agreeing to it you know you live in this country you know what the laws are and you law abide and then there are consequences if you don't or there used to be but it's an entirely different scenario when some vigilante kung fu tribe just doesn't not only enforce the law, they make it up at random according to whatever the hell code that they're operating by. And then they call it balance, okay? So, but here's the thing that's so cool about this movie is while you're watching this happen and you're seeing all this crazy, sexy stuff they're doing, you're like, wow, yeah, that makes sense. Liam Neeson's character named for a star. We're not sure what it is. It really is sexy to see him doing all his, his funky stuff. And then when you see the, the level of corruption that they're fighting against, you're like, yeah, somebody do something. This corruption sucks, man. This is going to kill us all. But, and he's trying to get Batman, sexy Christian Bale, there's a lot of sexiness here. He's trying to get him on their side, right? He wants them, He the, the Liam Neeson people, the Sh- League of Shadows, they want Batman to help them exterminate all of the baddies, all of the people they think are bad and doing bad mm-hmm. things, But Batman sees through it because he realizes he's a Batman of the people. So I won't spoil the ending. But the point is, is that it is a very tempting paradigm to say, I think this is so corrupt. I've got to do something about it. And I'll even hire a vigilante to go about it. But the problem is the bad guys doing the bad shit they think is ultimately good doesn't really matter it doesn't matter if you think you're better than that or if you know what's bad and good because how do you know you're right? The real issue, I think, and so this is my answer to Kaylee, is what other paradigm can we step into? Because this one is still busted no matter how we try to play it out. It's all about the hierarchy. And that is, that is, that is what happens when you pervert the feminine, when you pervert, and by feminine, I mean cyclical, yin, endlessly turning the cycles we talk about in an ensouled universe. So this question, while thoughtful and astute, actually points to the bigger question of what is the paradigm that drives the need to pick a side, good or bad? And is it the paradigm that will actually sustain us moving forward after a Pluto return? And I don't think that it is. And I'm so glad that Kaylee asked the question because what it does is it sets up our ability to say, look, we are offering to you, the listener, an opportunity to consider the antithesis of all of this, all of this hierarchical thinking where we are driven to pick a side, one or the other, and then stay separate. And that is what kills us. So here's an example.
1: Yeah. If we keep
0: thinking, if we keep thinking, all right, I'm going to keep talking. Because no, no, I do no, no, I, I, no, I'm still, I'm okay. No, go
1: on, go on.
0: Okay. All right. So an insold universe has cycles and patterns that endlessly regenerate themselves. And that way the circle of life goes on, but then so do we, all right. But in the paradigm that we've been using, and it doesn't matter if you're coming at it from a liberal side, a left side, a right side, a conservative side it really doesn't matter it's still a side it's it's linear but it's that linear paradigm that leads to oh snap depletion of natural resources which actually are not created by whatever's creating all of it whatever the impulse to create creation is it's not created linearly water does not occur linearly Water occurs in cycles. So when we start applying Mm -hmm. this hierarchical paradigm to natural resources, where some people end up with access to things like clean potable water and others don't, we are actually playing out Kaylee's question because that's really somebody deciding some people deserve water to drink and other people don't. And every time we don't use water in a cyclical, sustainable way, that's the question we're actually posing and never answering. Why do some people deserve and other people don't? The things that we need to live, which are always going to occur in a regenerative, cyclical way. So I guess, Kaylee, the question that you asked, here's my ultimate ultimate answer to that. And that is, (laughs) everything really does come down to the golden rule. That's the most basic way to look at this. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And that is going to be your barometer, your true north for good and evil. And then the rest is just commentary. So thank you very much. Yeah. That's That's me. That's (laughs) That's my philosophy from the closet.
1: That's your final answer. Okay. So, so I said, of course, there's more. So, so here's another thing that I, so to bring in the astrology of it. Okay. Oh, yeah. That is why we're here. Yeah, no, that's why we're here. So, But we, we talk philosophy and, and, and you know, we hold the media accountable too because we, we're, we're, you know, we're multitasking people. So from the perspective of a modern psychological astrologer, this is my training. We look at these planetary patterns as symbols of what a person needs in order to feel fulfilled, okay? When we know what they need, we can anticipate what they're likely to do when they're presented with a challenge or an opportunity to make a choice. But what we can't determine without talking to somebody directly, or if they're a public figure, we read about them in the news or the history books, we cannot determine without evidence what level, and I've I've initial capped that word, level with a capital L they are operating on. And by level, what I'm talking about is a level of intellect, or emotional maturity, empathy, yeah. consciousness. Okay. Every planetary pattern has a shadow potential as well as an enlightened one, and I do believe we get to decide. We do get to decide. So I want, as so I want to give you, like for example, you know, when you when we're reading it, what's all this this the cesspool release, sewage, massive sewage release we've got, you know, over the weekend with um, the summary judgment request. Uh, that the 1-6 committee has made in the matter of Mark Meadows, where they're saying, look, uh, we have testimony. I was from trying the- to
0: figure out what sewage, what, what did I miss? This sewage. <laughs> now,
1: this sewage where Cassidy, somebody rather, who was their witness, who, was, who worked in Meadows' office, testified, basically saying, look, there was a meeting uh, before January 6th, and it was, you know, at the beginning of January, end of December, I'm, I'm not sure, that, but like within a week, And, you know, uh, there were a a handful of elected congressional representatives there in the room where it happened. And they were all talking about this, this plot that they were doing. So when you say, you know, Kaylee asked this really interesting question, do they know they're doing evil when they, it's like does does Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, when when he made the statement over the weekend, when he said, you know, he never told uh, then President Trump that, uh, you know, that, that he was he never said that he was thinking of asking then the then president to resign. And he's denied it once and then his aide denied it twice. And then, you know, Rachel Maddow says, hey, I've got a tape. Of you saying does. So does Kevin McCarthy know that he is lying when he says this? Is he consciously choosing you know, it, and maybe in his mindset, you know, his he's got a he's got an impenetrable, and his hor- what we know of his horoscope, there's an impenetrable uh, fortress in his horoscope that needs to present this aura of material stability. That's one. Of- That's one of the things he, and it's an earthy material stability, and it's really hard to to pierce that. And and, and in a way, this guy can be a law unto himself. So we can use that horoscope and see what he might do. He has the choice in how he wants to use it. Does he want to lie when directly confronted? You know, what's his prime? His prime directive is going to be to keep presenting this aura of, I've got it all together. I am self-contained. When you know that you can see what people are gonna do. Okay, I wanted to say-
0: Okay, well, all right, but all right, we'll finish what you're gonna say because that brings up a bigger question. So the other thing, you know, it's so
1: it, it's, it's, what's the priority, you know, if your prior if your priority is to preserve power at all costs, and then relating back to what you said about this hierarchical thing, where you don't see yourself in other people, you know, you're tribal, it's an us versus them thing. Yes. You know, if yeah. it's us versus them, and it's a divine, and you're looking at your at looking around you and seeing the other, the other, the other, you're not seeing the divine in other people because you do not see that you are all connected to one, you know, one source, you you know, uh, know, in an x-ray machine, we all look the same. We are, we are all skeletons. There's no, there's, there's no mask that anybody is wearing in terms of skin color or hair color or age or or disabilities or anything in the x-ray machine. We all look the same. That's but a real you,
0: catchy. That's a catchy song lyric.
1: <laughs> in, in the X-ray machine, we all look the same. Do, 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 do. Thank okay. you so much for Singing it too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seriously, no, but 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 you know, but if you don't see the people around you as part of you, you don't see yourselves in each other. Then you're gonna you're gonna make nasty, unkind decisions about those people. Because, you know, or, or if you look around and you look at chickens as somehow not connected to to some wonderful source that you also spring from, you're going to take all the baby male chicks and just toss them in a grinder when they're alive and not give it a second thought. Which,
0: which is, is horrible, something
1: that happens. Which is something that happens. And then, you know, the next day, because you see, you know, perhaps you see uh, an embryo, a human embryo is something that that you you maybe you can see yourself in the embryo, so you're going to fight for that. But you can throw the baby chicks in the in the big gr- grinder. It's just it's just how. Okay, That's a
0: terrific nuance. I, I'm going to stop you because you okay. just made a really excellent point. You okay. did, and I want to I want to explain that. Thank you, Whitney. Well, All right. Oh, That's but, great. You know, I, I right. expect nothing less from you. I <laughs> can likewise. Philosophy okay. grad from from Wellesley. No <laughs> philosophy,
1: because I wanted to know why. All right. So, I mean, are
0: you still? Have you satisfied that question yet? Are you kidding? Uh, no. So, no, but here, here's what you made me think with that very um, nuanced uh, observation. Really, it is, it's really great. It's really deep what you just said, even though it was funny too, <laughs> because I was just hearing overtones of Shakespeare. I was thinking of the Tempest, right? Where you just are where um, there's this kind of idea that you can create storms around you based on a value system that you hold above everybody else because of what you choose to see. Okay. Yeah. So if you choose to see and recognize um, and then venerate and then protect what you relate to, and then all the rest is just, you know, like f all. too bad for you. Then ultimately you do kill yourself. I mean, that is a very nihilistic way to live your life because at a certain point you will devour what it is that you need in order to survive. So it's, it's very, um, short-sighted, but it does come back to, um, what you were saying before about, this is the need of the individuals involved and the choices that they're going to make. So why do we all get caught up in the choices of individuals? That I think is part of the mystery that we you know, will forever ask, but it does have to do with these cycles because we don't always see everything, but that's the part that I'm okay with. I'm okay with not seeing what is beyond us, where we come from. I am not okay though, with not seeing what other human beings are doing, that's going to impact whether or not I have freedom to do what I need to do to play out my karma and my choices. So that brings me back to this idea of the narrative. And, and what's really happening, you know, so, so I bring up Batman as, as my example, but Batman Begins is one telling of the Batman story. You know, how many freaking Batman movie franchises do we have? We have at least, I think, four, right? So it's different ways of telling the same components of a story based on whatever your value systems are. And, I mean, this could get really unspooled to stay with the film narratives this is going to be really disorienting to think well then nothing matters there's no dividing line at all then you know how do we know what guidelines to live our lives within this is all this is the kind of the derrida here we go deconstruction nothing matters it's all relative but i just i disagree with that that in fact what we're trying to do is just tell narratives that hang us together but lightly because freedom which is what in this country i think ultimately we're about It has to always have an out. It always has to be able to reconfigure itself. Otherwise it becomes prison. So you do set up structures to get you down the road a little bit or to move you forward in terms of consciousness elevation or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know, come together as a people and take care of one another yes but then you have was... to be able to you have to deconstruct it to start all over again and and when you ossify everything with these hardcore narratives of this is what is then then you isolate yourself and then eventually well, you end up so, killing yourself. Uh, You
1: are using such cool language. That's so in, in sync with the astrological patterns. First of all, tip of the hat for, for, for sort of hinting at, uh, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who is having Pluto uh, sitting on the sun. As we speak, doesn't matter if he's dead who said we must all hang together or surely we will hang separately. So that oh, yeah. was brilliant. And then you also use the word ossify, which I absolutely love because with Pluto at the very end of the sign Capricorn, which in the language of astrology refers to bones, that's exactly what we're seeing. It's like whatever has ossified and it, and it is in a negative way is being broken down. And one thing I wanted to say else about getting back to astro- keeping it in the if, with astrology and how planetary patterns are potential. Um, it was really fun for Twitter. To realize around the time that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, standing trial for the murder of uh, two people and the wounding severe wounding of another. um, When he was on trial, Twitter realized something that astrologers had realized months earlier, which is that he shares a birthday with Greta Thunberg, the climate change activist. Yeah, this is so, an excellent
0: example of okay. two exact-looking types of patterns going in completely different directions. Yeah,
1: I mean there are there are you know, there are going to be subtleties because we don't have birth times for either of them, so we don't know what their rising sign is, and so and the moon, you know, there is a slim chance that that Rittenhouse's moon is in Aquarius, but I doubt it. I, I, I he strikes me as as a, a, a sun, a moon sign. He's a sun sign Capricorn, but also a moon sign Capricorn, which suggests that he needs to make things happen, and so you know he needs to do something, he's not just going to sit around and think about it, which is what a moon in Aquarius might do. This guy is is proactive, which is what he what he was in his when he in the choices that he made, but, but um. So, but these two people, uh, you know, except for the moon and the the angles of the horoscope, the Ascendant, you know they're going through similar, or I would say identical patterns right now. Like right now, Pluto, which we're gonna talk about, Pluto is slowing to its uh, apparent standstill in the cosmos from our perspective on planet earth. And it will turn retrograde on April 29th, this week, okay? And Pluto is sitting right on top of there because they have similar patterns, Mercury, which suggests, I mean, they've been both of them have been demonstrating this this year and they will continue to demonstrate this this year, this need for persuasive, powerful communication and thought They will both have this pressure to to do certain things. And then we were going to see how they make, how the choices they make, you know, what are they going to be persuasive about? Probably very different things because that they are, because they are different people with different environments, even though the energy that they're working with is very similar. Because they were born on the same day.
0: So then still within the framework of Kayla's question. And yeah, I said framework. Cause you know what? Sometimes you need some lines around things. You just have to understand that they're not permanent. Okay. But this is where I'm going with this is um, it's their narratives. It's the choice in narrative that directs how they play out these otherwise nearly identical patterns. Mm-hmm. It's the way that the narrative in their head tells them to justify their actions. And I would say that the key to understanding comes out of a paradigm that tells you your your raison d'etre makes you special. And back to Kevin McCarthy, when he's aligned himself with with a hierarchical paradigm and he's already got a, a need, a psychological need to use your way of looking at it, to be impenetrable and to be the guy in charge, that, that's certainly going to feed into this idea to feel special. And hierarchy requires people to feel special so that you are always elevating yourself above someone else. But this is the paradigm that is killing us. This is the paradigm that is destroying our access to the very resources that are cyclical in nature, but are also essential for our survival. Now, I would actually argue that Greta Thunberg plays the hierarchy game sometimes herself as well. She is trying to align to... Um, the preservation of the cyclic, the cyclical resources. But I, I've watched her talk, and I, she's she's a little militant thing, you know. Yes, she and, is, and and so that is for me an interesting way of remembering. It's a good reminder that you don't just suddenly boom, you know, like oh, we're going to think in an insold way now. We're going to think cyclically now. So everything else is done we don't have to worry about that we can no that's just really immature but i can see somebody like atunberg who's young being the kind of bridge and you know i'm riffing here but i do look at people like that and i just think hmm that's interesting i like what she's about she irritates me the way she goes about it but is there another way to do it maybe maybe not you know it's wedging open the future to look at things differently so it's not going to happen overnight there is this progression and that i think is part of cycles you know, and, and I have some more thoughts on cycles, but um, we probably ought to start moving on to some other things at this point. But, but um, okay. I'm going to edit that very lightly and see if people say, holy crap, shut up. Or if they go, wow, we want
1: more of that. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, exactly. So, uh, yes, if you thought that was really fascinating, let us know. We'll do more of that and uh, in, in, include more of these deep philosophical discussions in our podcast. Okay, the the, uh, the lowdown for this week, which is we're recording this on April 25th. All right, so I mentioned earlier that, um, okay, all of the planets s- since February have been moving direct. Um, many of them, because they have been closer to the sun from our perspective on planet Earth than usual, have been moving faster than their average speed. So we've had this rush Uh, you know it feels like like, just a rush of activity in february march and april and on april 29th which is the day before we will have a new moon and a solar eclipse the first retrograde that that, you know this new we're going to have pluto will turn retrograde and when a planet appears to slow down in the sky from our perspective it appears to slow to a standstill and move backwards Uh, The effect, the metaphor I want to give you is, or the analogy, it's like somebody leaning on the horn of their car. Which happens
0: often when you do this podcast. (laughs) I know, we actually,
1: I know it's quiet here. It's early morning here. So nobody's, nobody's going anywhere right yet, which is good. Um, Yeah. So, so Pluto in the language of astrology, power, breakdown, transformation, Uh, power and resources of a physical kind. What do we power our planet with? That means oil, gas, coal, nuclear power. Uh, We had an aspect last week that where Pluto was hot, and I told everybody you got to keep an eye on the headlines because we're going to be talking about nuclear power. And we had a number of headlines last week, including the news that Vladimir Putin is testing a new nuclear warhead or something, whatever it was. But anyway, so the thing was in, you know, that that energy, literally, OK, no pun intended, was in the our consciousness and it made news. So we're in a period now this week and also next week where Pluto is blaring like a car horn. So we're going to see a lot of um, a lot of action in the world regarding power and stuff coming up from underground. So part of that could include this sewage release of stuff from the one six, the January six committee, you know, the evidence is, is, is pouring out now. Um, and we had some interesting now, uh, so, so if your horoscope is affected personally by Pluto, Pluto slowing to its stations, for example, if you are Emmanuel Macron of France, who has a 28 degree Capricorn ascendant, which is where Pluto is right now, you might be dealing with issues of power and transformation on a personal level. And if you are Emmanuel Macron, you would have emerged victorious in an election over the weekend.
0: He <laughs> sounds like something you get at the, but what, what are those? Macron, 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 Macaron. Mac- 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 right, now we're just gonna sound like we're francophobes, which we're not. Hey, <laughs>
1: macarena! <laughs> do, do, do. Oh, no, we're not. All right, now well. you're
0: just getting ridiculous. Now we're getting silly. No,
1: well, all right, we are. Wait, listen, but when we, I think of
0: back home, I think of those yummy little um, confections. You know, those little, those little um, marshmallowy thing. And they're delicious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know what's really interesting? Well, you know, there was another thing that um, there was a there was a full moon, and this is going to be picked up in the new moon. Okay, you're going to see this pattern come back in this eclipse. There was a full moon on in mid March, uh, full moon in Virgo, and um, the uh, the whole the, the illumination in this in the uh, of where the, the the moon was at twenty seven Virgo and the sun was at twenty seven Pisces, and the there is there are the you know everything astrology is a symbolic language, and so there is a symbol tied to that particular those particular points in the zodiac. And one of them talks about uh, baldness versus, you know, hairiness, okay? So it's just
0: I'm okay, serious. I really, I okay. No, seriously, and her think, her no, and you think
1: about and you think about what happened in the after in the illumination of that full moon you had Jada Pinkett Smith who was suddenly, you know, thrust into the in the limelight because of of the uh, her the condition this this health condition she has where she has lost her hair, this alopecia. So it was fascinating that this made news, everybody's looking at Vladimir Putin who does not have any hair. Uh, the Crown Act was passed in the house w- which was the piece of legislation that said hey you cannot discriminate against because of because of how you wear your hair so and then in with in the case of Emmanuel uh, Emmanuel Macron you know all of a sudden you know twitter is is flooded with pictures of of his of his chest because he's got all his hair on his chest and all of a sudden we're reading about this now this is Seems like a very silly and frivolous thing, and yet it perfectly expresses what's going on in the cosmos. And on this solar eclipse and new moon that we are going to have on April thirtieth, the day after Pluto, uh, it, you know, stations retrograde, um, there there's going to be uh, two two planets, Venus, which we've been talking a lot about in our dial, in our, in what we were in our response to Cayley, the feminine, unconditional love, it's exalted in Pisces, written in a partile, meaning an exact conjunction with Jupiter, the greater benefic, Venus is the lesser benefic. These two planets function really well in Pisces, Jupiter rules Pisces. Venus is exalted in Pisces. Everybody rolls out the red carpet when Venus walks through the world when, when she's in Pisces. That's going to activate that full moon that we had in March because the conjunction.
0: But Is this the hairy moon or the bald moon? The hairy moon. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to activate the hairy moon. You know, I have to say, I connect, never, I have never heard this before. I know. Well, it's not a hairy moon and a
1: bald moon. It's the, it's the, it's the language. Uh, it's uh, the, the symbols, um, the Sabian symbols, you know, the Sabian symbols, Ah, well now ah, you're
0: just the, the Sabian symbols, here. which
1: what you know, here, the deal was is once upon a time in Coronado park in San Diego in the thirties, I believe uh, Mark, Uh, I think it was Mark Edmund Jones. I I always get the uh, my history turn into a a complete mashed potato head. Uh, Anyway, uh, an astrologer and a psychic named Elsie Elsie Wheeler, I believe it was her name. They wanted to create a language of symbols for every single degree of the zodiac. And so, what happened is the astrologer pulled would pull out a card that would have a certain degree of the zodiac in it, like eight degrees of Aries or twenty eight degrees of Pisces, and Elsie, the psychic, would channel whatever image she got for the car that had been drawn. They were drawn at okay. random. And so they put okay. the thing all together. And, and other astrologers since then then made sense out of these symbols, suggesting what the potential might be. And so the full moon in Virgo that we had in March, the moon was at. You know, 27 degrees Virgo, which when you, the way you round up in, when you're using these symbols, you round them up to the next number. So 28 degrees of Virgo was the Sabian symbol and the, um, image that the intuitive got almost a hundred years ago for this particular degree was like the bald headed man. Okay. All right. And so what, Well, what,
0: well, why is it called Sabian? Because neither of their Fabian? names are. Fabian, I can't remember why. Well, thank you for that little lesson. I rather than you having to go through your book right now and figure out what's what. I will put a, a link to whatever you send me in the show notes because we'll have time so then. Can go read about that. Read yeah. about that exactly. So okay, so let's get back all right, on track. So getting
1: all right. So getting so so what we have in this in this new moon solar eclipse now solar eclipse. What what an eclipse does? This is a solar eclipse. The image I give people of is. Um, the light of the moon, you know, there is no light. There is no light from the moon on a new moon. Everybody understands that you sh- if you don't understand it, you should understand it. Okay. There's no light it's, from the moon.
0: It's basic astronomy. It is, it is just when the moon is behind earth. And so cannot reflect the light of the sun. Correct.
1: And so the light of the sun, the flow of light from the sun is temporarily interrupted. It's blocked. Now, for example, imagine a traffic cop going out into a boulevard and holding up their hand and stopping the flow of traffic. What happens is that the traffic backs up because it's at the stop. It cannot, it it is interrupted. It cannot flow through the intersection. And if you, uh, if you are familiar with a book called Make Way for Ducklings, some of you may remember as children, where, you know, there's this beautiful, cute little picture of this friendly Irish cop, Officer O'Malley, holding his hand up to stop the flow of traffic so that Mr. and Mrs. Mallard and their adorable ducklings, these tiny, fragile things, can make their way across the big, bad boulevard. To get to the garden in, in the Boston Common and live there happily ever after. So, so the flow of energy is interrupted from the sun. So by Officer so, O'Malley. <laughs> so, by Officer O'Malley, exactly. Who's who's so that these tiny little creatures, these fragile creatures, can have can sort of like go in and plant their seeds and and you know maybe the people in Wait, the. Now your no, metaphor falls no, apart. No no no, and doesn't no, 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 it doesn't. Because they're going in there, and they're gonna, they're gonna grow and live long and prosper, and probably take over the entire park, and then become a, an, you know, an environmental course, menace. But rich. we're not, there, <laughs> but we're not there yet. What's happening she is the some people, shit in the, <laughs> the pe- no, so the people who are in the cars, you could imagine this is actually No, this is actually cool. So the people who are in their cars, because Officer O'Malley has stopped them, probably cannot see why. Or what is going on in the street that they have to stop. They can't see it. And you can't often cannot see what's going on under mm-hmm. a new moon because there's mm-hmm. no light. And it's wonderful for clandestine meetings and conspiracies and anything you want to fly under the radar, anything you want to do that you don't really want to get noticed. A new moon is a time to do it. You know, we, I think you had said before you, you would use the example of, you know, uh, in, in, in wartime, you know, when do you schedule an invasion? Well, you right. go in when there's no light yep. from the moon because nobody yeah, can storm see you. the
0: Normandy beaches during a new moon, yep.
1: Of course, I wonder if it was an eclipse. I have to go back and look. But anyway, the traffic flow is interrupted and then then the eclipse passes and the flow goes on normally. But what happens to that bottleneck? What happens to that bottleneck of energy? So here's how eclipses work the way I've observed them over the years. This particular new moon that we're having on Friday happens at uh, 10 degrees of Taurus, 11 degrees. If you're using the Sabian symbol, you're going to round it up to the next number. When another planet, because all the planets keep moving, when another planet arrives at that point of the eclipse, it's, in your you know now you can start thinking of a pool game the cue ball comes in and goes in and smacks another ball on the table mm-hmm. and generates energy which causes the pool ball that that the regular ball the cue balls contact prompts an energetic release in the thing that it's hit it moves so when a transiting planet Mars, jupiter usually those are the ones that are really big they have a lot of energy behind them Mm -hmm. so mars let's say when mars gets to 10 degrees of taurus which it will do this summer
0: mars is less it's less that mars is big than it is that mars is aggressive it's aggression
1: exactly so mars and taurus which I think it does on July 19th. I don't think I'm making that up. Uh, so I when think
0: Mars it's July 20th, but maybe I
1: have Okay, I've, I've no, it's the 19th the 20th. Is it the 20th, depending on your time zone? I don't know. I've so the 19th or the, the 20th, depending on your time zone, what time zone you live in, Mars is going to get to 10 degrees of Taurus and it's going to activate this eclipse. It's a trigger. And what happens, uh, you know, in mundane affairs. What I've seen is that there is a release of energy, a sudden release of energy that is either you know, a genie comes out of the bottle, you cannot put it back, or a curtain falls, you know, like you're you're watching the improv comedy people and it's and scene, and we're done, and that's it. If you're
0: just somebody who's interested to know how what we're talking about plays out, and if you just want to do a basic experiment for yourself, get yourself a chart. It's really simple. You go to one of these websites, it at you know, it's it's WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. They tell you put this information in and get this I think that we should
1: encourage our fabulous listeners to contact us directly for assistance in understanding the eclipses work with an astrologer we have invested thousands of dollars and hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. of okay. studying I think that's true I mean you know what I'm, I'm saying right. it's like no, it's, you're like, right. I, it's like it's like you know it's like no no do not do not repair the roof yourself hire a professional All right. You know, do not repair the electrical system in your apartment by yourself. Hire a professional. We have invested so much in mastering this language that when it comes out of our mouth, it sounds really easy, but it only sounds easy because we put in uh, the the, the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell writes about in his book, Outliers, about these so-called overnight successes that were not overnight
0: successes. We have been doing this for years and we know what we're talking about. You make a really awesome point an excellent and a true point. No, you're right. We, this is even though the world doesn't sanction us with, um, you know, Pell grants and, but we have studied, we have passed tests. We have gone to masters. We have enrolled in university type of courses. We really have. And at least on my end, and I know for you, you've studied psychology and philosophy and I've studied history and I've studied the classics. So we really do live and breathe this. Okay.
1: Astrology is a calling. We love to talk about this. We would love to come and talk to you about this. You know, if your company would like to have an astrologers come and talk about astrology, you should consider doing that or cycles or what, but, but the point is, is like putting a value on it. I didn't become the practitioner I am now until I was willing to put my money where my mouth was yeah, and, and, and invest in studying with people who, who were masters. I invested that literal energy, th- those, those dollars are energy that's invested. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, you know, so, so sometimes when Whitney and I go, hey, we'd love to hire a producer. We'd love your support. What we're asking for is that you invest, you as you were receiving this energy from us, which is based on years and years and years and years of study and blah, blah, blah. We're asking you to invest a little of yourself in this as well, because it's going to mean more to you. You're going to get more out of it in the long run. But anyway, so this particular solar eclipse in Taurus, which needs to build and maintain material security, um, there is tremendous, easy flow of energy in this particular technical term, lunation. Um, And there may be quite a bit of wish fulfillment happening around this time because of the alignment of venus the two fortunes that are venus and jupiter that are so uh high they're they're, they're so functional right now they're they're in a, they're in a signs pisces where they can really get stuff done uh, hopefully for the highest good of all and what i was going to say is i wanted to talk about this uh this eclipse, this new moon in the horoscope of Walt Disney. It doesn't matter that he's dead. His horoscope still still keeps on ticking and functioning. And this new moon is going to fall on his south node, which is a point of release in the area of his horoscope called the eighth house, which can refer to loss and death and joint resources and shared values. And what's really interesting about Walt Disney's horoscope, even though he's dead, doesn't matter, is that We talked last week about this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Neptune dissolves whatever it touches, usually, or it turns something into an ideal. And Neptune, right now in the horoscope of Walt Disney, who was born in 1901, is sitting right on the cusp it's activating all of the angles of his horoscope. It is opposing his ascendant. It is square his mid heaven. So this suggests a potential dissolving of boundaries, a potential wipeout, a potential sacrifice, a potential opportunity to do something for the greater good. But anyway, so his horoscope is in kind of a bit of a meltdown mode. And why am I mentioning this? Uh, Last week, um, Ron
0: DeSantis, Governor of Florida, Republican and and, um,
1: and would be pretender
0: to. Well, I won't say pretender to the throne because that's that's judgmental. But I mean, he he's clearly um, he wants bigger power.
1: Yes, he does. And so he signed he went down to the Florida legislature and without much without debate or anything, he just went down and said, "Okay, legislature, uh, I'm very upset with the Disney Corporation because they uh expressed uh dismay at the don't say gay bill that they he, they signed into law and disney is pushing back because the people who work with for disney are like what are you doing this is this is your why are you allowing this why are you supporting politicians who who want to stuff all these people back in a closet or a basement or whatever and so he said right well we're going to dissolve we're going to we're going to dissolve this ch- charter of this agreement that disney has where it gets to basically administer this the plot of land that that it that it sits on in north northern around orlando
0: more like thousands of acres i mean this is this is a whole town
1: yeah a whole town yeah the reedy reedy creek project i think is it yeah reedy creek? yeah anyway he said look right so we're just going to take all that away and all the special tax privileges and blah 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 and we're just gonna we're just gonna wipe it out because i'm in the league of shadows i mean the thing that disney does for florida in in that by by being the administers of this ginormous plot of land which is an which is the size of a town is that they pay for all the social services and they they maintain and I that mean the public services like roads and fire safety i mean disney has covered the cost of all that and so in in pulling away this special status that Disney has enjoyed, uh, what DeSantis is doing is taking the billions of dollars in bond debt that Disney currently holds for all of the investments it's made in that area, and it's going to be passed on. If this thing goes through, if, if it actually becomes law in 2023, but the astrology of this, okay, when you look at you see this one screamingly obvious pattern here that that Walt Disney, his horoscope, you see, wow, we have a potential meltdown wipeout here, bewildering, a bewildering uh, two-year period. You know, it started this year; it's going to continue into into the end of 2023. And the other thing that's interesting astrologically that ties to the much bigger picture, we have talked about the December 21st, 2020, great mutation, i.e. the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, which refer to business, big business and, in and Aquarius. Into that and
0: we go into go, check out episode three, I think for that, for more information about that. Yeah, great.
1: Okay. So, so we astrologists could, could surmise before that conjunction happened, writing about this in 2019 or whenever, we would surmise that for the next 200 years, big business is going to either be forced into it or they simply will be taking on more responsibility in in humanitarian efforts, social responsibility. That is the potential. And it's interesting that Disney took a stand, their corporation, they took this stand against this, this b- awful bill, you know, to to hurt people that Ron DeSantis and his followers don't see themselves in. The them. They're, they're somebody else. They're not me from their perspective. So yeah. Disney takes a stand again at, against this as a corporation, which is kind of outside their they're a little lame. They're supposed to be concerned, you know, corporations, what do they care about? The bottom line. Well, here, it wasn't the bottom line. They're like, no, this is wrong. We're going to take a stand.
0: Yeah. But just, just to um, flush out the picture, they didn't just go, well, this is wrong. We're going to stand against this. There was a lot of like, what, what do you mean? uh, Disney, you're not going to stand up to DeSantis and all of his don't say gay nonsense. We're going to make you stand up to it. So this was a lot of internal struggle. I just find it bonkers that somebody could ever think that they own the land that they own the land because we all come from the land so that's this to me is the ultimate perversion of reality because of our hierarchical paradigm but anyway so this idea that we're you know we have people fighting over the valuation of the land and the power that it imparts because some guy thinks he knows what is good and what is evil and maybe you know I don't know what's in his heart I don't have any idea but maybe he doesn't even care maybe this is really just about a power grab I don't know but the fact that this chart of Walt Disney could indicate this was coming is just so beautiful I love it and and the fact that we are having a Pluto return where you could have this kind of uh, breakdown from internal from the in from the core from the heart of a very large corporate structure that then starts to pull down in the framework of disney's own chart starts to pull down the structures around what has held up the economy of a state and make all these questions burble up to the top it's just this is why I love astrology so much because it's so deep and it's so exquisite in, in the ways that it just leads you to one truth after another or one better question after another. Mm-hmm.
1: The one thing about um, Walt Disney and eclipses, Walt Disney is a Sagittarius born December 5th, 1901 at 1235 AM in Chicago. His son is at 12 degrees of Sagittarius, which is the ascendant of the United States of America. Of course, everybody loves Disney. In the united states um his son do they they really (laughs) well you know a lot of people do um his son was eclipsed on december 4th 2021 okay so we we know that he's going to be called upon to take a stand when that eclipse is activated which it was in mid mid February was one activation. So I think that's when the the don't say gay stuff was was
0: rumbling around.
1: And um, since he's his,
0: dead, it's going to be his corporation, his, his
1: it's it's what he leaves behind. And then his mercury, how he needs to think, which also rules his ascendant and uh, his midheaven, his professional uh, appearance, reputation, was eclipsed on the really 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 long lunar eclipse that happened in November 2021. uh, It was at 27 Scorpio Taurus. It was a lunar eclipse. So the sun was sitting right on his Mercury, uh, opposed by the moon. And now next month in May, we will have another lunar eclipse at 25 degrees of Scorpio, again, activating that Mercury, which rules Walt Disney's ascendant and his midheaven. So the point is that there is a lot a a lot of genies popping out of the bottle and curtains falling in the life experience of Walt Disney that will unfold over the next two years as these eclipses are triggered.
0: Bravo, I I just, everyone, you have no idea what a master mundane astrologer (laughs) you have when you get to listen to Elizabeth. That's great, thank you for for doing all of that, uh, that research. You're I think because we are being um, we're being besieged now by it's leaf. I'm so glad we have this time together. That's right, Carol. So <laughs> let me just tell everybody if they want more of your mundane astrology forecasts or if they want to book an eclipse reading with you, those are great and they're they're not expensive. They're worth every penny. They can go to graceastrology.com. That's G-R-A-C-E Astrology altogether is one Mm word.com. And if you would like to leave a comment or become a member, a supporting member, a material member of this podcast, uh, you can do so by going to ensouled.substack.com. I'm Whitney Fishburne in Washington. You want to tell us who you are? I would love
1: to. I'm Elizabeth Grace in New York City.